Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Muhammad Duar. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. Tonight, bi-ithnillahi ta'ala, we begin a new short series titled the advices of Abu Ad-Darda radiyallahu ta'ala anhu wa arda. Abu Ad-Darda radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, the great companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was known to give great words of advice. And we will be covering in this series five advices in particular that have been narrated from Abu Darda, the great companion, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. First of all, who is Abu Darda? Abu Darda, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he is, or his name, is Uwaymir. Uwaymir ibn Zayd ibn Qais radiyallahu anhu. Uwaymir ibn Zayd ibn Qais. But he was famously known by his kunya, Abu Darda. And Abu Darda radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he participated in the battle of Badr and the battle of Uhud and all the battles that took place after that. And he actually became a Muslim on the day of Badr. He became a Muslim on the day of Badr. And then he participated in all the battles after that with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's so important about the advices of Abu Darda radiallahu anhu was Abu Darda radiallahu anhu worthy of giving advice absolutely the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said about him the hakim meaning the wise man of this ummah is Uwaymir meaning Abu Darda so if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called Abu Darda the Hakim, the wise man of this ummah, then without doubt, Jazakallahu khairan, then without doubt, his advice is to be considered and taken. For the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called him Hakim. And that's why the ulama, they like to focus on the words that come out of his mouth. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And without a doubt, his advice was great. Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, he lived very far from the pleasures of the dunya. He was known to be a zahid. To the extent even his wife 
complained about him to Salman radiallahu anhu and Salman radiallahu anhu advised him. We know the famous hadith that your family has rights over you, your body has rights over you. So give everyone their due right. That hadith was mentioned because of Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. He was known to be very focused on his ibadah. For he lived very far from the pleasures of the dunya. And he passed away 33 years after the hijrah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he passed away in the 11th year of the hijrah. Abu Darda lived approximately, what, 22 odd years after Rasulullah ﷺ. And he passed away not long before Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu before Islam he used to be a businessman and pay attention to what he said Abu Darda radiallahu anhu said I used to be a merchant meaning a businessman before the sending of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent Abu Darda is saying, I used to be a businessman. He said, so when Islam came, I combined business and worship. Abu Darda says, when Islam came, I combined business and worship. He said, but they did not mix for me. Abu Darda, Jazakallahu khairan. He said, I combined business and worship. But they did not mix. So I abandoned business and I adhered to worship. This does not mean they do not mix. It doesn't mean someone cannot be in business and also worship Allah. This is not what he means. But for him, he chose to devote his time and his effort towards his worship of Allah Azza wa Jal and his ibadah. But without a doubt he did not forget his portion of the dunya and his risk that Allah Azza wa Jal had written for him. But Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, he truly lived for the next life. Abu Dhar who is another great Sahabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said about Abu Darda, he said the soil does not carry and the green does not shade anyone more knowledgeable than you Abu Darda. That's a big statement. From another companion, Abu Dhar, another great companion, Radiallahu anhu. What did he say to Abu Darda? He said, The soil does not carry, and the green, the trees do not shade, meaning there's no one, in my opinion, on earth more knowledgeable than you, Abu Darda. This shows you how wise 
Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu was. And it's enough that the Prophet sallallahu called him the Hakim. One of the tabi'een by the name of Masruq rahimahullah, he said, I found the knowledge of the Sahaba with six companions. He said, I found the knowledge of the companions ends with six, meaning knowledge is only with these six companions. Again, it does not mean the rest don't have knowledge, but it's to emphasize how great these six were in knowledge. And he said, Umar radiallahu anhu, and that is true. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu was from the most knowledgeable of the Sahaba. And Ali radiallahu anhu, and Ubay, and Zayd, and Abu Darda, and Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhum. For Abu Darda, he was known for his alam. And he used to always give great words of advice, radiallahu ta'ala, anhu. So if we were to look at the first advice of Abu Darda, radiallahu ta'ala, anhu, we find it in the following narration. In this advice, a man he asked Abu Darda and he said, Ya Abu Darda, awsini. A man came to Abu Darda, radiallahu anhu, and what did he say to him? Advise me. That shows us what they used to go to him for advice. He said, awsini. So Abu Darda, radiallahu anhu, replied and he said to him remember Allah in times of ease and he will remember you in times of hardship look at this advice remember Allah in times of ease and he will remember you in times of hardship and if you remember the dead place yourself among them if you remember the dead, place yourself among them. And if you value something from the dunya, if you find something from the dunya that you value, then look at what it will become. Remember what it will turn to. Subhanallah, this was the first advice that we're going to take. And what a beautiful advice. So the man, he said to Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, Awsini, give me an advice. And what do we learn from this? That it was from the way of the Salaf that they would ask advice from their scholars. This was a very common practice. And this is something that we should do. Not necessarily I might not have a question to ask a sheikh or a alim or a scholar. But I can simply tell him, give me an advice. And the sheikh can give an advice. 
This was from the practice of the pious predecessors. As this man, he didn't ask Abu Darda anhu, a question. He said to him, advise me. And it is befitting that the one who advice is sought from strives to give complete advice to the seeker. If someone is asked for advice, then the one advising does his best or her best to give the best advice that they can give for that person. And this is the first benefit we take from this advice of Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. Because this was the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, advise me ya Rasulullah. A man said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, give me advice. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, la taghdab, do not become angry. La taghdab, two words. Do not, or in English it's more. Don't become angry. La taghdab. What a short advice, but it fell perfectly in, this, in its place. Why would the Prophet ﷺ give that companion that advice? The explanation of the hadith is that that companion was known to get angry quickly, it was fiery. So and Nabi ﷺ gave him the correct advice when he asked for it. And I'll give you a beautiful small benefit. This is the shortest authentic hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu because it's two words. La taghdab. In another advice, a man asked him, "Advise me?" The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Kuffa alayka hadha." Restrain this. Meaning your tongue. Again, because the Prophet ﷺ would have known that this man struggles with his tongue. So the Prophet ﷺ would give always the correct advice, the right advice for the right people. And sometimes advice is sought in writing from someone saying on paper, advise me. Someone might write it on a paper, give me an advice. And if the person asked knows the seeker's condition, he will give a pure advice. And he will strive to clarify what is appropriate for the seeker. And Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu was known to mix with the people. And that's why there is a lot of advice narrated from Abu Darda radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So Abu Darda, the first advice he gave this man was remember Allah in times of ease and he will remember you in times of difficulty. What a beautiful advice. Why is this advice so important? Because how many people, my brothers and sisters, 
they find it easy to remember Allah Azza wa Jal in times of difficulty. But they forget to remember Allah in times of ease. Some people only turn to Allah and remember Allah when they need something or they are in a hardship. They need to make dua for Allah to ease their affairs, which is all good, of course. If you don't turn to Allah, who are you going to turn to? But should we not remember Allah Azza wa Jal in times of ease also? And what is the fruit of that? Remember Allah in times of ease. Remember Allah when you are comfortable. Remember Allah when you are happy. Remember Allah when you are wealthy. And Allah will remember you when you need Him. Allah will remember you in times of hardship. And the command to remember Allah Azza wa Jal is general. It is general. And as much as you remember Allah Azza wa Jal, it is good. And the scholars have said that remembering Allah Azza wa Jal is first and foremost for the heart to be in agreement with what is uttered by the tongue. Dhikr of Allah is not only on the tongue. What you utter on your tongue must agree with what is in your heart. So when you say subhanallah as a dhikr, glory be to Allah, that word from your tongue, it must spring from your heart. Where your heart is glorifying Allah before your tongue does. And when you say alhamdulillah as a dhikr, all praise be to Allah. That word should spring from your heart before it comes on your tongue. Because my brothers and sisters, I will tell you something. Sometimes a person does dhikr or even makes dua, but they feel it has no effect. They feel it has no effect. Like someone who says, I do my afkar before sleep. But I still have nightmares. Does that happen? Someone says, Wallah ya Sheikh, I always do my athkar before I sleep, and I read Ayat al Kursi before I sleep, but then I still have kaboos and I have bad dreams and, and whatever else. And then you ask him a simple question When you do your athkar, are you doing it with reflection and pondering over the meaning? Or is it simply lip service? Find the person, alhamdulillah, they do the sunnah, they pray their far, they're sitting down, they start doing their, their adhkar, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Starts talking to his mate, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. But come on. For your adhkar, your remembrance to have the effect that it needs to, it has to spring from your heart. Pondering over what you're saying is crucial for that dhikr to have an effect. Otherwise, it's only lip service. 
But the first thing of remembrance is for the heart to agree with what the tongue is uttering. The second is that the remembrance of the heart by pondering, contemplating, reflecting and considering. That's called tadabbur. When you do tadabbur of the words, you reflect and ponder over their meaning. And the third is remembrance with the tongue only. And that is the lowest level of the least reward. That's the one that's doing lip service. He might get some reward for what he's saying, but his reward is much less than the one that is reflecting over what he is saying. And remembering Allah with the heart and the tongue is the best level. And that was the way of the Prophet and the messengers. Their hearts were always in agreement with their tongues. If their tongues moved, their hearts moved with them. The second level is that the heart moves with remembrance even if the tongue does not move. Some people can cause their heart to remember Allah even if their tongue is not moving. This is possible. And the third and the last level is to move the tongue even if the heart is busy with distractions. And the scholars have said if a person remembers Allah with his tongue while his heart is busy with something of great importance. Look, that's the condition. If you remember Allah with your tongue but your heart is busy, but busy with what? Not busy with dunya. Busy with something great and beneficial, then this is even greater and better. Can that happen? Can someone remember Allah on their tongue, but their heart is busy with something great? Yes. And one of the best examples of this is Omar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. What did he say? Look at this. Omar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu and I promise you you'll find this amazing. He said, and remember he was the Khalifa. When he was the Khalifa, we know Omar ibn al-Khattab opened a lot of the Muslim lands. So a lot of the work as the Khalifa consisted of what? Preparing armies. Yeah? Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he would prepare the armies. When did Umar ibn al-Khattab prepare the armies? When would Umar ibn al-Khattab find it best in his mind and his heart how to prepare what? Muslim armies for the benefit of the Muslim ummah to conquer Muslim lands. You know when? Look what he said. Inni la salah. I prepare the Muslim armies in my prayer. Does that mean Umar is occupied from his salah? Absolutely not. He is focused in his prayer. But he manages to prepare something so great 
in benefit of the Muslim Ummah while he is in his prayer. It's not even a distraction for Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. As for us, our salah, every individual can question himself. We're not preparing al-juyush al-Islamiyyah in our salah. We're not preparing Muslim armies in our salah. We're preparing our next job site, our next income, our next customer, our next exam. Yeah? SubhanAllah, look at the difference, my brothers. People that lived, breathed for Allah. Their heart, their thoughts were for Allah. As for us, and it's normal, but it's a shortcoming. Our minds get occupied in our salah from other things or due to other things. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu would recite and remember Allah and recite the Fatiha and other portions of the Quran and glorify Allah but he would be busy in his prayer with that which is of a great benefit to the Muslims and that is preparing the army for jihad. At this level, there is no doubt that having a busy heart while remembering Allah with the tongue is better than remembrance with the tongue and the heart, but only in certain situations. The ulama said something so great such as what Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu was doing. And the remembrance of Allah is not only in tasbih and tahleel and tahmeed. It is in all general ways of remembering Allah. And one of the descriptions of the awliya of Allah is that when they are seen, those who see them are caused to remember Allah with statements, actions and knowledge. So remembrance of Allah is general, referring to the worship of the heart, the tongue and the limbs. Because reciting the Qur'an is also remembrance of Allah. إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا الذِّكْرَ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ Allah says we send down the remembrance. Because the Qur'an is a remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Abu Darda radiallahu anhu said, remember Allah in times of ease. And what this means is you should remember Allah when you are enjoying the blessings. Times of ease means times of happiness, times of blessings. If Allah has given you wealth, Allah has given you health, Allah has given you offspring, Allah has not tested you severely, remember Allah in times of ease. And he will remember you in times of hardship. Insha'Allah we will continue with this advice in our next lesson. Bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Wallahu a'lam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. This program was presented by Albion Radio 